0: My, I'm going to get my vape pen out. Yeah, hold on. This is going to be my noise. That's me opening my little canister of edibles.
1: This is my <laughs> soda stream.
0: Your soda stream. Nice. Um. There's one pressing issue that we have to address. Let's do it. Yes. Pressing. Pressing issue.
1: Like a shove almost. It's so pressing.
2: Caroline Bingley is a fashion icon. <laughs> I did like the way that woman. I I didn't look her name up. The actress that played her played her like a Botox commercial. Yeah,
1: just truly like. A- she, and I like that. She was like, "Listen, so I can't move my face, my eyebrows, my mouth, my nose, but I have lines to deliver, and I will overcome." I
2: can't move my face, my eyes, or my tongue. I'm scared, but I can tell you that you are poor. Like.
0: Moisturize me, moisturize me, moisturize <laughs> me. Um, it's a little Doctor, little Doctor Who joke for your hey, Laurence Olivier
2: Greer-Garson podcast. Oh. oh, God, it was... Uh, yeah, this movie is a product of its time. A Welcome
0: to SAUSTEN Austin, a Podlander Drunkcast podcast. This is Volume 1, Imbibe and Prejudice, Chapter 2 fucking A. What? The 1940 Laurence Olivier Greer Garson Pride and Prejudice adapted from a play version of Pride and Prejudice, which, like the play version, was adapted by um, a lady... Jane Murphan, and Aldous
2: Huxley, author of Brave New World. Isn't that fucked? Oh, wow. So do you think he was a script doctor? Or do you think he, like, did... Oh, no, he's got other screenplays to his credit. Okay. I, like, yeah, who knew? I'm surprised. Know. I'm just surprised.
0: It's not, you know, and it's not my favorite... It's not my favorite Brian Prejudice adaptation.
2: No, it's not.
1: Fair, fair. yeah.
2: Yeah, it, well, I mean, it as Aaron and I were... I'm sorry, Janine and I were discussing just a second ago. There's no, there's no stakes. There's no like anything. And you take the teeth out of a little bit Lizzie and definitely out of Miss Bennett, Mrs. Bennett. And you just kind of lose, you lose a little bit of what makes the novel so awesome.
1: Everything Mm -hmm. about this was just so watered down. Like, yes. You you, like every, like every defining quality of like, of, of the characters that I saw in in our uh, chapter one experience of of our, of our PP. Um, was gone. Like there was there, but like everyone was just so affable and agreeable. And it's yeah, everybody was too happy. It was just (laughs) like fucking, hey man, like your world's getting destroyed. You live in a shitty situation. Like you got to be fucking sold off. Where you don't have no, you have no snacks in those fucking ham hock sleeves. Like yeah, come on, fucking sucks.
0: Why don't you? Why don't you have snacks in those sleeves? Fucking a, not one Um,
1: person pulled out a fucking like ham. No ham. Here, let's
0: pump the brakes for just a second (laughs) because I think. (laughs) Here's here here's the thing. Um, whenever we move on to a new Austin book, yeah, uh, we will be starting with one of the definitive adaptations of that book because that's what's going to get the proper we go through when we talk about the plot and everything treatment. Right, it'll be some kind of very faithful adaptation so that we can go through the plot like we do when we're talking about Outlander. But that's there's no point in doing that with no, any, we don't have to with do that any of the faithful Pride and Prejudice adaptations. Contemporary adapta- like I'm sure we'll talk through the plot of Bridget Jones, yeah. um, etc. But here, I mean, the only thing that we really need to talk about plot-wise is the stuff that changed. And I think yes. what we should do is maybe break down this, this story because... Some of it is extremely different, and some of it's not different at all. Go through the changes, and then start pulling out individual things. Because I okay. bet we can do plot changes in five minutes, and then move on to talking about Miss Bingley's looks for 45 minutes. Okay. Great. So <laughs> so the ending is different. It's yes. A, man. Well, no, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. There are some changes, there are some changes. The first big adaptation change that I noticed that I thought, where I was like, oh, mwah. Actually, you know what? I'm good with this. Was Wickham being at the first ball. I think if you're going to be condensing this story into two hours, that's a pretty smart choice to make, right? Like, start both of those tracks simultaneously. So Lizzie, the only thing that matters plot-wise is that Lizzie gets a bad impression of Darcy before she meets Wickham because it's it's the prejudice... Get it? Right? Because she's prejudiced against him already, she's more susceptible to Wickham's manipulations. Yeah. So. It's important that that happens first, but I actually don't think that it's all that bad that they happen in close succession. I thought that was a, that one was a pretty good choice. I thought.
2: That was fine to me. The only thing that it reminded me of was that I was sad that there weren't two balls.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: More more <laughs>
0: balls, yeah, was, more balls, was,
1: more dancing. Yeah, we don't need a
0: uniball situation.
2: Yeah, Multi ball.
1: Uniball. Like, that's exactly what was happening here.
2: So yeah. I was a little bummed we didn't get both dances, but I understand that it helps. It's a it's a very easy way to condense the and first yeah. half of the story.
1: And, the, you know, there was a lot, like, that uh, moment where they ran into each other in the in the ball and, like, you know, bowed to each other, that actually was loaded. There was a loaded kind of like, mm-hmm. I see you, uh, and fuck off. And yeah. whaps, Which
2: was ooh. like the scene in Meriton in mm-hmm. A&E when they saw each other and were both like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it, yeah that one didn't bother me. Yeah, I choice. thought that one was kind of a smart choice if you mm-hmm. want to make it shorter. Totally.
0: Well, and sometimes you're just gonna have to, right? Like, yeah. I, we are at the end of all of this going to have watched a lot of Pride and Prejudice editors. Yes, ma'am. Um, oh. There are there are many that are lost to history. Um, most of them are. There was a great big trend in the um, in the early days of TV, um, on through the 60s and really into the 70s of doing. Um, plays on television not like it's a play and it was recorded with an audience and we watch it as still happens in great performances and obviously a few very big prominent examples of that this year on film right hamilton and um Mm -hmm. american utopia what the constitution means to me um this was like they would do a play on a set yeah, And then it would be televised. Um, mm-hmm. And we, when it happens now, it's always like, the, the NBC musical event, <laughs> right? But <laughs> yeah. this is like, they would do Our Town, or they would do Sense and Sensibility, or they would do something from, sometimes it was original plays as well. Um, and the, the short version of this, which I could have just gone with initially, uh, instead of going into TV history, you're welcome, America, um, is uh, they there are a lot of those that are just lost. So there are four or five Pride and Prejudice mini-series that maybe we could find bits and pieces of them on YouTube, um, but most of them are actually just totally lost to time. Mm -hmm. And I I got very nerdy and was reading about some like Austin adaptations through history, and a lot of people who are really up on their Austin think that the 19th, I think it's 1938 British version, which was the first televised Pride and Prejudice, is probably one like one of the best pride and prejudice adaptations that's ever existed. Oh. Um, and we'll never get to see it. And that Aww. really sucks. That's a physical bummer. media. <laughs> Please don't stop entirely buying physical media. Uh, um yeah. So point being, I have no idea. What was what the fuck was my point?
2: <laughs> and oh so. if you
0: have but yes so we will have seen many tv movie yeah. versions of this and those yeah. a lot of those are going to be 2 hours long and if you're going to condense things condense them in a way that at least ups the tension right there's mm-hmm. one other example that i think is interesting if it weren't for the twist was not mm-hmm. expecting like an icy dead people moment in this adaptation of pride and prejudice but the fact that lady catherine is the one that reveals what Darcy did for Lydia, I think could actually work. It doesn't work here, but Lady Catherine being, like having some insight into his finances somehow and being incensed because he did this thing for Lydia and that must be so that he can marry Lizzie makes a lot of sense to me. I can see that.
2: But here they just took that and made it, she's deus ex machina instead. Yeah, I think she's the cool aunt who wants him to be happy.
1: God, what
2: a a twist situation. No, it's not good, although I love that actress. Oh, she's very good. She's She's very funny. Yeah, Yeah. she
0: was very funny. Also, my favorite part was when she (laughs) when she was so mad at Lizzie that she changed seats. Yes. (laughs) What was that? She just didn't like that seat. This, You know what? T- t- there are two really funny, like, someone is sitting and it's hilarious moments, because Mr. Collins has a really good take a seat moment, too. That is apparently a tradition amongst people playing Mr. Collins, is make it funny when you sit down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what other plot changes? Going in order feels stupid, Le- but let's talk about the plot changes. Well, astrocious. when
2: when... They didn't, well, first of all, Mariah Lucas doesn't exist, so we don't have a real reason. I, they just use Charlotte's friendship as the reason why Lizzie goes to uh, Rosings or the Parsonage, so mm-hmm. Mariah is not part of it. And then we kind of lost most of the gardeners, too, so they didn't get the trip to the lakes, which means she never got to see Pemberley. Yeah, cu- yeah the that's loss of Pemberley, man. The shocking that, one to me. That yeah. kind of pissed me off because I think that hurt that, Part of Lizzie's character is as she is transitioning in her mind about how she feels about this person from pure hate to maybe a grudging respect, you get that last little push because she sees this and she even says it. She she says it herself. So I was bummed. No,
1: Pemberley. The loss of Pemberley makes sense, though, as we, like, recognize that everything about this film was just um, gone with the wind. Set repurposed and, yeah, sets repurposed and costumes. Stuff. And yeah. they probably just didn't have another set that looked distinguishly different. Or maybe even filming days to build something out or whatnot. So.
2: Neil and I decided, and because it's referred to, the only thing we get from Pemberley is the enormous pool table scene <laughs> with yeah. Bingley and Caroline Bingley and Darcy when Bingley gets so pissed he just... Rips the felt on Darcy's enormous custom pool table.
1: It was so massive. that was
2: pep- that was Pemberley.
1: That pool table was about the size of a small pool. It was the size of my apartment. Fucking a man! How yeah. would you get to the center?
0: You know what? Actually, <laughs> come to think of it, because we all there's also a pool table in the in BBCAE Nemesis. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is when Lizzie is looking for them She's at (laughs) Netherfield And Lizzie is looking for the party Um, So she's like She peeks in a door And it's uh, a a room with a Presumably like his game room or something And there's a giant pool table And I think like nothing I'm sure there are other things But in my memory nothing else And it's Darcy just playing pool by himself in the dark
1: Well didn't uh, Bingley and him had a scene there too But there, there was also a dartboard with a bunch of books Right? Am I pulling that out of nowhere? Maybe no, that's my dreaming. About maybe this you're right.
0: I don't remember that, but that doesn't mean that
1: it doesn't exist. <laughs> I just wanted that room so badly; it made an impression on well, me.
0: Well, then you would probably know. I mean, yeah. if you remember wanting the room vividly, I very much. Hey, so. speaking of things that you want, Pemberley. I, it's here's my yes. I also want Pemberley, but hold <laughs> on. This is my. Um, this is just me, um, acting with love. This is me. um, Committing to this friendship, this relationship, I know what I have to offer. So this is what I have to offer to you, Janine. Have you bought those boots yet? Oh my god! I, I'm, I'm give me. I gotta get. Give me.
2: He's working money. on PhD.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. I, this is not. This is not. A, 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 there is not a right answer. I'm just keeping <laughs> it. Pre- I'm keeping.
1: Keeping it real. The mm-hmm. dreams
0: you spoke aloud. Present yes. in your life. You
1: mm-hmm. know the TikTok uh, that I've stumbled into uh, now. Is uh, around. Um, uh, I don't know the right way to phrase this because I know there's there's some, there's a way to talk about this, but it's like uh, the degendering of clothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm watching lots of men in like high heels and dresses, cut wood, that kind of thing. Nice. Um, and so I've been. That's been, that's where my TikTok's gone, and I'm just and every time i watch I'm like, cape and fucking boots, Aaron. Cape yes. fucking Boots, yes. Aaron. Janine.
2: Come out. <laughs> yay! That's so, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm
1: reminded sorry i got a drag
2: racer outside my apartment
0: oh well they might be coming my way then yeah you might hear them quarantine Um, we're we're connected by the cars that drive by our houses
1: (laughs) um the, the 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 fast so i don't know if this was a plot change or what but like the setting in which it felt like there was a a giant festival happening no 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 no.
2: that was the ball at netherfield she made it a garden party yeah it was a garden party
0: i.e they wanted to be able to use an outdoor set because that was the prettiest place that
1: they had to shoot it was beautiful Mm because no
0: one says you know what let's not put this in a ballroom no production designer has ever said let's not use this majestic ballroom that's that's never happened, um however, the other thing is maybe it was just they knew they wanted to do the archery thing archery so they scene. had to yeah. i think they knew they wanted to do
1: that archery and scene. include those dogs and puppies
2: oh yeah, oh, they the were puppies. very
1: cute um, Juno's puppies um, I was
0: my hyster- uh i have uh, two things that delighted me in our chat while we were watching today um Uh, The first is there were a lot of jokes about how, um, and you'll have heard this in the costumes episode, how interested we are in people dealing with menstruation in history. Um, So there were a lot of jokes about uh, TM, um, Patreon person and slacker Larissa, um, Ken Burns tampons (laughs) as being the thing that we want, and when do we want it? Now! Um, So that was one. The other is amongst the people chatting with us today was Liz, who is of Liz and Tinkerbell, um, who who is a veterinarian, I -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. Um, It may be a more precise title than veterinarian, but who works in um, medicine for animals. Um, And she said that bulldogs didn't look like that back then. Like no bulldog would have looked that way and then found a picture of what bulldogs looked like at the time and put it, it's fascinating.
2: I mean, that makes total sense to me because when you're getting into the like really serious dog breeding for visual characteristics, it's right around this time. So there wouldn't have been these, what we consider to be classic English bulldogs, which is what they showed in the movie. Mm -hmm. It would have been that dog's great times 10 grandparent and That's it wouldn't awesome. have looked it wouldn't have looked exactly like that so i think liz is right
1: yeah uh
0: interesting. i'm gonna i'm actually just gonna quote her because it's it's just too interesting to pass up hold on talk amongst uh,
1: yourselves for just a moment i feel like that'd be really interesting to see in like like period films made with modern technology where they incorporate the dogs of how they look at that time i don't know if it would be possible for some breeds well, like, because it cause have to be CGI, right? So you yeah. have to have some sort, because like you wouldn't actually have a dog that would look, no. look like that. Um, but like incorporating that and somehow like making that a distinct, like a distinguishing physical characteristic of the story. I feel like, I feel like that would be really fascinating to me. I, uh,
2: as we talked about the, just messing with the time and ideas, mm-hmm. you've got all the sets and costumes that are way 1830s. Like when, the, when they said the word Waltz at the ball, I almost fell off my couch. Because I was like, no, no, too late. And then I started putting it together that they're actually pushing the entire story forward, right? Mm. And then when they said Waterloo, I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess we're in the 1830s or whatever now. Like, all, fine. All,
0: all right. So Liz says, bulldogs did not look like that in that time period. Those puppies' heads are too big and would have gotten stuck so needed C-sections. So those puppies would have died. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's definitely a thing with bulldogs throughout time.
1: For sure.
2: Anyway, the things you learn. Um, so yeah, so that the garden party
0: is is the kind of thing that seems like a minor change until you realize sort of how I icon- caught... It's weird because the outdoor scenes all happen at Pemberley. So mm-hmm. like we do get to see them interact outdoors in most pee adaptations. Most pee adaptees. But um,
2: no? You're just going to let that pass without finance? comment? I'm, oh, I'm still kind of just letting it... Wash over me. Okay. Yeah. Um, PP, adaptees.
0: <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for... I'm waiting for Julie <laughs> to, to, to just... I'm, I'm smiling. <laughs> Isn't that enough? <laughs> well, I was expect. I, I sort of thought this one was going to... You were going <laughs> to leave the room. <laughs> that's it. I quit the podcast. That's I mean, it. That's it's over. It. Head, headphones down. Goodbye. Thank you for... Uh, you know what... I won't remember this. This is me making promises I will absolutely forget so they won't come true. So don't expect this to actually, ab- actually happen. But that's how the podcast is going to end. It's going to be like The Sopranos. We're going to be <laughs> <laughs> at mid-conversation, and Julie's going to be like, Bye! And then she just leaves. <laughs> and, then, and then you just hear Janine go, What? What, what? the... Wait.
1: At <laughs> the pod. Mm-hmm. Did, so with the outdoor garden party... <laughs> Yeah, we trying to
2: get on track, girl.
1: Yeah, yeah so please. it felt like now that I'm thinking about it, d- did a lot happen
2: at the outdoor garden party? Paul? Not really.
1: No, it was it basically felt like it was the
2: a it, it it was the stand in for the super sexy dance sequence where they. Barb mm-hmm. each other a little bit. You remember that in the A yeah. and that's the party that is now the garden party. So the one at Netherfield that Caroline yeah. Bingley threw, right? Mm-hmm. So that archery scene kind of takes the place of the sexy dance scene that where they're talking to each other on the dance floor. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It just mm-hmm. felt like I am just I I don't know why, it just like it really sticks out in my memory <laughs> as like a lot of plot points happen all of a I mean, in succession. Yeah. Some do. I think I
0: can offer some insight, which is that despite the fact that not a lot happens plot wise, it's when the movie is doing the absolute most. Because I'm gonna need to remind you that this is also Lydia and Kitty on those weird ass oh, swings. swings. Oh, the yeah. swings? The yeah. swings that were like like little trains and Kitty was just screaming. I th- is this also when Kitty is drunk? Yes. Yeah. And almost face plants? And I, yes. And she's also, is this when she's coughing? <laughs> yes. So they lift that's... her arms over her head and start fanning <laughs> yes, her? There's just so much happening. Mm-hmm. With her arms over her head.
1: Yeah. And then they immediately go, oh, there's something else. Keep coughing. Come with us. <laughs>
0: well, and and Lizzie and Miss Bingley have a face off. That's, uh, that's more direct Lizzie in this version, despite the fact that the stakes are so much lower, she is savage. She will read. She likes to fight for filth. Like she, it's uh, from our PP, the BBC, a E PP, I'm used to the barbs being a little more couched with a convincing smile, like a little, right? The Lizzie barbs are like slightly subtler, which makes them somehow. Worse, harder. Yeah, but in a different way. Whereas these are like, she's just rude as fuck. Yeah, she just wants everyone. Yeah, she just does not care. She will piss you off. Mm -hmm. Savage, just savage. Also, her cheekbones.
2: She, you know, Greer Garson is really great. Once again, I'll recommend Mrs. Miniver if y'all were interested in her. She was amazing. But she, I'm so surprised when we first looked at the preview today, when we watched the trailer, mm-hmm. I never put it together that Jennifer Ely actually kind of looks like her. Yeah, she does kind of look similar. like her. Yeah. And so that was also a weird experience to be having watched the miniseries so recently than to watch this and be like, oh, it kind of looks the same, but doesn't act quite the same, yeah. right? <laughs> Right. Um, as far as the garden party, the Netherfield ball slash garden party change, I thought it was fine, especially if it's going to get that archery scene in there. I don't give a fuck. The moment where she is standing behind him while he's explaining archery and looking away and she is calmly putting on that fucking glove yeah. and nodding, I could live on that for two weeks. <laughs> like he can't see her and she's just back there like mhm uh-huh. keep talking mhm mhm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then also neil says he could live for two weeks on when darcy misses that first one before we get to see her go ape shit he goes that was a very bad shot <laughs> <laughs> and neil really loved that he was like that's my favorite laurence olivier moment in this entire film is that was a very bad shot <laughs>
0: Uh, maybe this is a good moment to stop and talk about Olivier, since we just talked a little bit about Greer Garson. I just yeah. think he's miscast.
1: Was, yeah. were we were talking about this before, before we start recording, about how he just feels... I'm watch, I see him with my modern eyes, and with my modern eyes, I don't see someone who's really that great. Um, and like, I'm not struck by him as an actor, right? I recognize that access, and like it was a different time period and whatnot, but like, I don't find him... I didn't feel like he was doing much to support the story, as like Darcy should be supporting as we talked about it towards the end of in our wrap up, like he feels like he should be supporting more of Lizzie and I didn't get that vibe.
2: I'm wondering if he was not directed more to be more of a stereotypical romantic comedy slash hero, Mm. like directed to be nicer sooner just in general speaking, because this whole movie, everybody's nice all the time and everybody's happy. So, because one of the things that kind of bothered me the most about the adaptive choices around Darcy are they had him dance at the first ball. Yeah. That, to me, hamstrung him from the very beginning because it showed that he would do that. And we're supposed to believe for at least the first third, if not the first half of the book, that he would not...
1: Well, and, and so the, and the I, ru- and the rude comment that he made at the ball which was overheard as an mm-hmm. on accident rather than kind of clearly you can see that she sees you and you're saying that you're not that interested in her like
0: right <laughs> well, and and it, in the back um we're not meant to think that Darcy is aware him. that she can oh, hear okay. um but I think that that's more just carelessness as opposed to and this is also still careless but Darcy sort of not realizing how near, how close she is. And, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that some of it is that the style of film acting has changed so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of what the three of us like about Colin Firth's performance, some of those qualities we've
2: talked about just wouldn't read back Right.
0: Um,
2: he, Olivier had a couple of subtle things, but they were all, um, they were all physical um it, at least in my view like for instance the whole making the bad shot and then his whole body kind of just slightly deflating before he says that <laughs> was a very bad shot so he it, i think it might have it's like direction and being at that point better known for stage acting i think it's kind of like a weird well he i will say for um
0: in, before we get into more specifics of this performance, Janine, you may have a better understanding of Olivier's gifts, and this would be true of um, for, true for folks listening at home too. If you haven't seen Laurence Olivier do much, um, he was best known for Shakespeare, uh, mm-hmm. and still today, by our, I mean he's he isn't my favorite Hamlet. Um, just go ahead and give his Othello a pass. Yeah, in total. don't do that. Um, but <laughs> if you want to watch his Hamlet, he's not my favorite Hamlet, but. He was incredibly good at that. Incredibly good with dialogue um, and certainly was a force on stage but was also very successful on screen, particularly um, in his Shakespeare adaptations. He also has a legendary ego. Um, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> Legendary. So the odds um, of any errors in his performance coming down to directing are pretty much zero because I doubt very much at this stage in his career Lawrence that he Livia cared. would have listened yeah. to yeah. any director um, that wasn't a very great renown. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I just looked up the name of this director and I've already forgotten it. If that gives you an idea about the size (laughs) of this director's profile. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm getting back to that page now, but Aaron, you were saying, I'm sorry. Who's Aaron Janine?
1: There was one moment to also kind of just add add an additional, uh, point to his, to the odd, to like how this is, there's a discontinuity discongruity to like his performance and who this character should be as how I understand it to be he was very comfortable he was like very comfortable around everything right there's this moment at the very end right before he proposes and he says I have a letter from Bingley and I want to go talk to you in the garden let's go do this oh yes let's go do this as he's leaving he has gloves in his hands that he throws off into the corner like he's like walking out of the room and he like throws his gloves into the corner like he lives there and like he knows where they go and like there's a, like the physicality of that and the comfortableness, like it just doesn't connect with even, even in a, what the book must sound like for Darcy Mm -hmm. just doesn't connect to like what he is. He is supposed to be very uncomfortable with his, with his surroundings. He gets comfortable, but that's like, I don't know. I just think
2: he was miscast. I just think they cast him because he was hot shit at the time. Sure. And a handsome man. I I really think that's it. I, I would be interested to think about actors who were box office draws at that time, 1940 that I thought that I think if they could pull off Regency, if they could effectively play a member of the upper class, the landed gentry in England, even Americans, like who would be good at that? Catherine yeah. Hepburn. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn would be a fucking amazing Darcy.
1: <laughs> Agree. I am
2: not fucking kidding.
1: <laughs> oh man,
2: I think
0: she'd probably be pretty good. Uh, uh, I I'm that. thinking about the idea, and it's incredibly hot. Like yeah. I, it turns out, my I I've just discovered. My type. And it's Catherine Hepburn playing Mr. Darcy.
2: Catherine Hepburn playing Mr. Darcy trying to win over Greer Garson. like In that. a TARDIS, and then I'm done. <laughs> that. In a TARDIS, <laughs> yes. <it was. laughs> so I, I guess my overall opinion is he's fine. He's definitely not the best thing about this movie and probably was miscast. I did notice at the beginning in the 60 hours of credits. Oh, God, old movies, I love you. Greer Garson got top billing. Did you see that? Mm hmm.
0: Mm
2: hmm. And that's interesting. And Neil and I were talking about whether or not it had something to do with her playing Lizzie, obviously the main character of this story, or if it's because Goodbye, Mr. Chips was such big shit. Sure. Because she was, uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips, I think, was her first movie. Wow. And it was a huge success. No kidding.
1: Yeah. Well, they, I mean, that's how they introduced her in the trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Um, I'm gonna eat a little crow. Uh, Robert Z. Leonard, the director of this film, uh, was nominated for two Oscars <laughs> for this. So, no. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> oh, he directed, good. uh, The Great Ziegfeld and The Divorcee. Um, I've heard of The Divorcee.
2: Who's in it? Uh, let's check. Uh, I've also so heard of memorable. The Great Ziegfeld. This is not
1: a memorable director. You know, well,
2: that <laughs> Norma direct- Shearer. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Well, the direction of this movie was basically non existent. It's like he wasn't even stopping people. I guess it was of its time, but the whole like look one direction and then move that way, that oh shit. My. Oh, God, I love it when it happens, but it looks so cheesy now. It's the, just so cheesy. The
1: opening sequences when they first introduce Mr. Bennett and like they're just walking through the house, and like every time they cut to a new camera angle, you can feel it go cut, beat, line everyone moves at once to their new position
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think the direction is not the strength obviously Uh, yeah we're relying on the acting and maybe a little bit of costuming
0: i mean the costumes are fabulous but Mm -hmm. they also i mean they from a different They're not designed like none they of were them made are for this, right. all that reflective. <laughs> yeah. Other than Mary, which we are having a conversation about, there's something oh, about we can talk, Mary.
2: We can talk yes. about Mary. I want to talk
0: about, about Mary. Let's get yeah. Mary in there. But before we do that, um, it, the thing that bugs me the most about this one is that even the costumes, which I agree are really fun, are don't wrong. actually feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly not accurate. But they also don't feel like the characters, right? With maybe two exceptions, Mary and. Uh, Lizzie's dress that's like a little tie
2: like a man's tie with like the stripes and then it's like felted leaf on the shoulder like epaulette style yes that dress was the shit that was my favorite Lizzie dress yeah that was so cool
0: um, mm-hmm. It made me it like a good joke. Mark it felt yes, very much though. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, this the whole thing feels like it came off an assembly line. It's like exactly. It's yes. like somebody picked Pride and Prejudice off some exec picked Pride and Prejudice off of his wife's bookshelf and was like, let's do this one and handed it to somebody and they went off and wrote a screenplay and they shot it on existing sets with existing costumes. yep. and it was just like who was free that day. Like that it's frustrating because it, I love the story so much. And there are certainly things that work. Like I said, we're about to talk about Mary, Um, work, work. Um, But it just, it just is so flat. Yeah, Mm. it doesn't feel clever at all. And if it, Lizzie sometimes sounds clever, and Greer Garson has that like mischievous glint in the eye thing down. But Mm -hmm. other than that. It's like paint by numbers. It's it doesn't feel clever, it doesn't feel sharp, it doesn't feel pointed. It certainly with the exception of like the last two minutes, doesn't feel romantic. Yeah. Like I'm not invested in that relationship at all. Nope. Partially because they skip from the proposal to all of a sudden he's saving
2: her, right? Yeah. Like
1: her, her like fucking turn all of a sudden going, I think I love him. I love him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh like, god. What the fuck, lady? <laughs> that's just fucking vintage golden age Hollywood. Oh my god. That's that
2: bullshit. But yeah, I it, 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 like I said, there's just no stakes. There's nothing about the low lows in the book. And, of course, in the miniseries you get them, but you don't get them as much as you do when you read the book. There's just no variance between what these things actually mean to Lizzie as a woman. They mm-hmm. Like, nothing. Nothing about maybe being destitute. Like, they keep saying it, but it's not... The threat doesn't feel real because it's all...
1: Well, they the can edges move, are all rounded off. They can just move away and like <laughs> escape, yeah, which is what vacation. they do.
2: That shit. There's an adaptive choice. That's funny. Let's just leave. Let's just go.
1: We're gonna go to the coast. We're gonna leave you know all what? our shit. Let's move to Brighton. You know <laughs> what? We're gonna get the fuck out of here. We got this. That was weird. It was a fun one. I think flat is a really good descriptor of this because like yeah. it's it tastes like soda that the cut the cap didn't get left on. Right? Like mm. I'm getting all the Coca-Cola tastes. But it's fucking disgusting, and it's not what I expected, but it's kind of doing, doing, doing it for me, you know? Yeah. I'm missing the tingles.
2: I'm still going to laugh at Lady Catherine. Yeah. mm mm-hmm. um, Also, Mary. <laughs> oh, my God, Mary. Mary. Let's talk about Mary. Mary. She's far too pretty in this version. She's far too pretty. But, mm. I mean, I,
0: I'm, I'm fine with that. And the reason she gets I'm fine more, with that, right, She's yeah. much funnier. Oh, yeah. Like- this singing badly is hard to do when you know how to sing, and I guarantee you. Oh, well, and I guess we know that because Mary is also the, suddenly a better singer by the yeah, end of that. At the
1: end, as soon as she finds love, she learns how to keep a tune. Yeah, oh, she can, I she love can hit that, that high note. Talk, talk that about is a so funny. Talk about a fucking day, Machina thing. Mm. Jesus yeah. Christ.
0: Marsha Hunt <laughs> is this actress's name, and I she I liked her so much that I'm gonna go see other things she was in. Like I just <laughs> mm-hmm. I it's I'm unfamiliar with her work and I thought she was just great. Like really funny, sharp, and and I guess then they just liked maybe they just liked her <laughs> like yeah. personally. We're like, let's give Mary a happy
2: ending.
1: And and in this version, too, like because Kitty got a happy ending too.
2: Lydia and Kitty are kind of more morphed into one. Like it felt like I mean, we got to see them together as two people, but they looked so alike and and everything that they just kind of felt rolled into the same ball of fate. Right. Just like most of the time until Lydia elopes with Wickham. But it just felt like they were. You know what? That brings up something else that I liked. Um, mm-hmm.
0: but first a thing that I didn't, which I agree, they feel interchangeable unless mm-hmm. Kitty is face planting drunk, which that you know sh- what? That was funny. That was funny. And just, funny. Li- just lean into it. Like, just mm-hmm. go ahead. If you're going to do broad strokes, pride and prejudice, it might as well be like hilarious too. Absolutely. Please do that. Um, so I liked that. Um, I just wish that I, you know, I. W- I wish that all of the sisters had more texture. I wish it felt like they had relationships because it doesn't. You're right. Um, And I I wish that they, that Kitty and Lydia sucked more in a less ostentatious way because it was, they were, it was, there's apparently a line with Lydia and I love Lydia being so extra, but there's a line that I can't cross because I couldn't, like, I, my brain shut off when they came on screen. It was mm-hmm. so loud and so fast that I was like, oh, okay, this is the point when a character being obnoxious, this is the level where it prevents me from even enjoying how obnoxious they are. Right, That's I can't the- learn anything about this yeah. character
2: because you started
0: out at a million. Because I just have to right. tune you out entirely. Mm-hmm. But leading to a thing I did like when Lydia and Wickham return to Netherfield. The trumpets. And they're preceded by an alarm call, by trumpeters on horseback, Mm -hmm. like riding a horse and playing a trumpet, or like a fife, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is they were playing oh my god and I was at first I was like is this Lady Catherine this is a weird choice yeah no 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 Lydia and Wickham took all that money from Darcy and blew it all in one weekend that's the story that this that this movie is telling it's like they went nuts they were like let's get
2: a pony
0: <laughs> let's, like let's blow get it a all livery in Vegas.
2: servant just everything a footman a porter a driver let's buy them all Yeah. but they're, they're second hand though remember that. I l- <laughs> Do you remember she said that? She's like the, the livery was used and we found that it. <laughs> it was so funny.
1: I love the idea of like whenever they go back to Long uh Long Longbourn? Longbourn is the family house. Mm-hmm. Longbourn. Whenever they go back to Longbourn now, whenever they go back to Longbourn now, it will always be in the company of, of trumpets. They oh, have to God. rent some trumpet players. <laughs> Every fucking time.
2: <laughs> and it's
0: just gonna get like worse and worse, more off pitch and to more off pitch until eventually it's just a guy Going dum dum to dum dum <laughs> on riding <laughs> on a donkey. In. I <laughs> like riding a donkey. <laughs> um, it just it it was it reminded me of um when we were talking about how the sickest burn is Mr. Collins because it's a two days ride to be a dick and then two days back. Mm-hmm. This is like that. It's yeah. like. Uh, It's like the people, you know what? Same energy. The people who do big elaborate things when they quit their jobs. Like uh, if there's a viral video of somebody quitting their job and then a marching band like follows them out of the shopping mall or whatever, it's like that. Like like rubbing it in. Jubilantly committing with money to making it meaner. (laughs) Yep. Just, it's, you know what, Julie? It's getting all of your friends to pitch in
2: money together to get your husband an edible arrangement for it his birthday. Is. It is 2017's edible arrangement. Oh. Oh boy, that was a uh, that was a good. We well, must though. have told that story on the podcast. At some point. I, I think yes. we had, and I think yes. at the
1: same time we were like, we don't talk about that day often though.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, just don't want to make him mad. Just yeah. know,
0: eventually, if you're if you're listening to the podcast, eventually, either because it has already happened or because it will happen eventually, you will hear a story of the time that Julie and like twenty of her closest friends trolled her <laughs> husband in the most delicious way <laughs> and shareable. She, she, <laughs> Anyway, um, th- it's the deliberateness of it, the ostentatiousness of it that I think makes it really sing. That's committing mm-hmm. to a bit. You know what? I'm just respecting. See, con- game recognizes game.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: committing to the bit. That's what, that's what I like. So I loved that. Um, I really, I thought that was very, very funny. Too much, but very funny. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't really, the, the thing that um, takes most of my attention, obviously, is... The treatment of Lady Catherine and then the deus ex machina of Lady Catherine at the end. Mm-hmm. I think that the actress who plays her is fucking great. Yeah. I really liked her. And Neil actually looked her up. Her name is Edna May Oliver. She's an American. And one of the things that she was well known for is that she was in a play with Mary Boland, who played Mrs. Bennett in this Oh. P&P. They were in a play together called The Cradle Snatchers, where they were women of a certain age whose husbands had left them, and it was about them going to find younger boyfriends.
1: Oh, wow. That's, yes. That's, wow.
2: So just know that that exists somewhere in time. Those two women together playing some cougars on stage. (laughs) And that's really great.
1: I, don't know, this is, I thought
2: she was physically hilarious. <laughs> like a lot of the physical comedy well, she had was swi- so great. The switching her seat. Yes. I don't know yeah. why that was so funny, but it was so funny. Remember when she would wave at somebody like Darcy, and like wave her handkerchief at him, like get out of here, like ugh. Mm-hmm. And she did it to Colin to Collins because she just can't be bothered to talk to them. <laughs> And then um, she had the best line and line reading in the entire movie, which was talking about the hens. And if they're too tough, kill (laughs) them. Kill them and boil (laughs) them. That's what this movie is for for the rest of my life. (laughs) Kill them and boil boil (laughs) them. Perfect. Because I did laugh out loud and I would laugh again if I saw it right now. (laughs) I did not like the choice of making Lady Catherine the receptacle of knowledge and also like uh, weirdly okay with the fact that her nephew is going to pass over joining his fortune to hers yeah yeah
0: i think there's there are sort of two elements to that and one of them could in theory really work and the other absolutely doesn't To the point of being almost movie ruining. As much Mm -hmm. as I liked somehow managing to be surprised by the plot of Pride and Prejudice for the first time in my life since the first time probably, um, it wasn't. No, it It wasn't a good idea. And (laughs) the part that doesn't work is that is Lady Catherine the benevolent figure. Lady Catherine is in on it. Um, She's hip to their love. She because they're essentially making her Mr. Darcy's Mrs. Gardiner. Yes. While also removing Mrs. Gardner from the movie. And like Darcy doesn't need the support. Darcy is learning a hard life lesson. Lizzie needs the support. She's learning it, too, but she's she's got it harder. So um, so that really doesn't work. But if you were looking to save time, making it so that you can sort of truncate Lydia and Wickham's visit by not having Lydia be the one that spills the beans about who helped her. And right. instead putting that into Lady Catherine's scene, which is gonna get more weight anyway. So Lady Catherine, and then the like the beauty of that, the irony of that, is Lady Catherine is even more directly leading to exactly the thing that she doesn't want to happen. Because Darcy already considers that conversation to be the thing that tipped him off that he really could maybe propose again, right? It's the, and that's in the Mick and it's in the other things, um, other adaptations. Lady Catherine saying she refused to, pr- to promise not to marry you makes him think, well, if she d- wasn't open to marrying me, she would j- make that c- promise because she doesn't care. And that's what sort of pushes him to do that. By making it also what convinces Lizzie that there's still hope, so she makes one choice to be a dick and instead gives two people the hope of happiness in their lives. Mm-hmm. It's, I like that. But, the, but when... But that's only if she's not also in on it, right? And yeah. she was in on it and that was dumb and yeah. made no sense. So. But man, if you imagine adding just to the Jennifer Ely Pride and Prejudice, adding just a couple of lines about how Lady Catherine suspects that Knew Darcy about the money. loves her because he paid for Lydia to get married, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: All of a sudden, that's even more interesting because in the middle of this very high-stakes conversation, Lizzie is also getting that little splinter of hope instead of mm-hmm. getting it from Lydia, which I find fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. I just like that a lot. It's too bad they went and spoiled it.
2: Yeah, it's too bad they went and made it where he was waiting in the carriage for her to do all the dirty work so yeah. he could swoop in and ask her to marry
1: him. Again. Also so manipulative. Uh-huh. God, what a stupid fucking... It was Yeah, a bad was choice. he that... testing her? Yeah, with, yeah, yeah like, it just fucking disingenuous. There's a lot of disingenuity associated with that. Mm-hmm. I don't like this film.
2: I think it's just because they wanted a movie that they could capitalize on having Greer Garson, who was rising in fame, mm-hmm. playing a major part. And they're, like, looking through old scripts, because you're right, I don't think they wanted to pay a lot. And they're flipping through and they find Pride and Prejudice. They're like, okay, look, oh, great. We've got all these sets from Gone with the Wind and all these costumes. Okay, screenwriters get together. Let's have an adaptation of this film that takes place in 1830. Oh, and make it happy. Ma- make everything happy. Because here they, like, they barely brush on the fact that the women that Wickham is taking in are babies. Like, they barely touch it. It's yeah. not it's not a big as big of a thing. I just think it's a like feel good, happy movie for 1940. Oh, yeah. right. They're like, you know what? Forget about everything else. Just look at these big dresses and they fall in love, whatever.
1: Yeah, they're <laughs> hardcore relying on the fact that it was the olden times, you know, not so right. long ago.
2: And they, it just takes all the nuance and the um, really great character study that Jane Austen created. Mm hmm. It takes it just shits on a lot of that, and it kind of bums me out, (laughs) because Jane Austen doesn't need your fucking help, right? It's cool. Just, you know, stick to her beats a little bit more. It would have been interesting adaptively for a couple of those choices to be made if it hadn't been for the Lady Catherine deus ex machina. That was just the worst. That was like disrespect, kind of, to me, because it was just completely implausible for that time period and for somebody of that status to do that that no so whatever good experiment greg arson was good costumes were fun
1: mm-hmm. yeah it was an old-timey film we heard some highlander music that was
2: <laughs> caroline fun. bingley's first entrance into the netherfield ball in that black dress with the sparkles on I it guessed. that was drag that uh, was that gag was, that
0: was gag worthy that was high drag that was mm-hmm. like i did here maybe maybe the the real problem with this that movie can be summed thusly. Um, with all those Gone with the Wind costumes, the person who got the, oh my God, she made a dress out of curtains moment from me was mm. Caroline Bingley. Yes. No, that's not how that should be. No, it should not be that. And that it was really, that was tens across the board. That was a good, that was a good dress.
2: Also, Neil refers to the bonnets that they were wearing <laughs> as sci-fi cult bonnets. because i don't know if you noticed but it was just like they each had an enormous egg right around their face
1: i couldn't help but think about what happens when the wind blows
2: oh well hopefully you're not outside i don't know
1: (laughs) because like i could just see someone's head getting snapped because suddenly the wind like (laughs) their fucking head someplace else and
2: the weird peaks on the back of them too the weird like tall peaks on the headpiece those hats were weird not not my favorite yeah yeah uh, costumes overall, though very interesting. I don't know. Eh, I'm gonna say mediocre. mediocre all right, let's, do, th- let's
0: do this. Um, on the scales. Yeah, and in this case, the scales are gonna. I'll will make them all Pride and Prejudice because now we're comparing Pride and Prejudices. Um, mm-hmm. So um, hand flex scale. Honest. Um, where would you put it on a scale from? Um, Mr. Collins dancing at the ball, uh, in PPC, BBC, AE, whatever. Nemesis. Um, Nemesis. nemesis. (laughs) Uh, To um, dearest, loveliest Elizabeth. Where does it go on the scale?
1: Oh. Um, For the. This entire
2: version, it goes. It goes like.
1: uh, I have mine. Go, it's, please. It's uh, Mary in Nemesis playing piano in front of everybody and not stopping.
2: <laughs> it's pretty rough. That's harsh. I was going to go with um, Kitty not getting to go to Brighton. <laughs>
1: The our Julian and I's faces was the exact same when Allison was like, "Let's do hand flex," and we were both just like, with mm. a gas, like, "How?"
2: With yeah. what? I the the lack of sexual chemistry. Obviously, they weren't necessarily yeah. trying to make it all sexy in 1940, but they just didn't really have any believable romantic chemistry together. And so, I mean, there I just are
0: didn't movies like... from around that time period that you're like, "Oh, first of all, pre-code," but then also, oh, like... oh yeah, I mean. You watch the, the secret weapon of It's a Wonderful Life
2: is that. Oh, oh, my God. The scene where Jimmy Stewart grabs her off the phone. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Hot shit. they like <laughs> very that hot
0: marriage. Totally believable. They are really struggling. But wow. Like, mm. wow. They are very into it. Mm -hmm. um they are not into it here no No. they are not into it no Mm
2: -mm. it is a flaccid hand all flaccid it's Uh. like shaking somebody's hand that kind of goes limp when you gotta give them a handshake
0: i think i think that we might i think handshakes might be done as forever a thing now
2: well hopefully Mm. people remember what that means when i say it i'm sure they do (laughs) at least now (laughs) if
0: you're listening from um, 2040 to these in mean podcast episodes.
2: With strangers. They would just reach out and grab their disgusting, bacteria-riddled hand and shake it a few times. I'm yeah. okay
1: with the idea of us just bowing to each other. I like I'm fine
2: idea. with it. <gasps> Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so speaking
0: of, of Regency-ishness, uh, let's do the costumes on a scale from... Um, Lydia running through the hallway and bumping into Mr. Collins and then giggling and running away to, um, Caroline Bingley in this walking into, (laughs) to the ball at Meriton in that dress with all the sparkles. Where does it go?
2: I, the costumes were definitely more interesting. Obviously they weren't quote unquote correct. And they were correct to the adaptation, but not to the actual time of the story fine um the this era of costuming is not my favorite the big skirts and the big poofy sleeves and really ostentatious hats like i can i can get with it because it's fun to look at but i'm always looking at it with an eye of how annoying mm-hmm. to be caged and kept and like just immobile because of your clothes, mm-hmm. so every time I see these clothes, I'm a little bit like meh, whatever. So I'm gonna give it a meh, whatever, which to me means um, probably uh, in in the uh, mini series any BBC PP Nemesis. I would give it uh, like. What Mrs. Bennett wears when she's in her closet, like when she's fainting from smelling salts, oh, like yeah. her, her, her jammy outfit, like it's right, but it's also kind of like, well, it's her night, her night yeah. clothes. What well, I don't know. All right. What about you, Jane? I don't
1: know. I think I'm going to have to give this a horse blanket. Okay. Go on. Just, just the blanket that is underneath the saddle that Darcy or Bingley is riding. That's what this movie feels like to me. I'm just like, it was a functional thing that like obviously these are very like it was made for a purpose these costumes and then they got reused again and i mean i couldn't help but see fucking blankets everywhere that's actually quite literal too every time some a, a woman was sitting or just in a in a crowd i was just like look at all those blankets like you're just wrapped in comforters. Like you, how do you move around? Like it just felt.
2: Oh, you mean the skirts? Because the skirts were so big. Well, and the
1: and the ham hock sleeves with no candy yeah. in them, and like the fucking no, candy. Bonices, no candy. the bonnets, like everything. They just look like fucking twin beds walking around. <laughs> and you're just like you're just wrapped in cloth, and you can't do anything. So I this is horse...
0: Janine's corner fashion. <laughs>
1: it just feels it. Just you know, I'm giving it a horse blanket to be funny, but also that's what I felt like. It just was like cool painful
0: i have a very specific answer to this one you know this is mostly going to be for julie but you know how there are those episodes of drag race where somebody comes out in a look that's like really a look but like also the theme for that runway was like soap star realness and you're supposed to dress like soap and with like bubbles and your soap uh and they come out and it's just a ball gown it's like a really beautiful ball gown but it's a ball gown and then michelle visage is like you
2: look beautiful but what is this right and they're like i thought soap meant falcon's crest yeah or like yeah you know i just
0: uh this is what i was feeling today i just felt like this was me you know yes yes that's perfect that's this because
2: this movie doesn't feel like the source material doesn't feel comfortable in this I don't think it feels good.
0: Yeah, it's not, it like, it's the theme was Pride and Prejudice and instead they're giving us, eh, it's a love story. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, like that's not, these, no, not the same path. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, uh, w- what about your drink response?
2: Oh, I could have gotten up whenever. Take I did.
1: I did get up and yeah. refill I, my coffee. I, mm-hmm. I started dishes. I <laughs> was, I, I was here watching it, but I was not here watching it. Yeah, and it's right. not gripping. No.
2: No.
0: Not at all. No. Um, Okay, and then who is your golden butthole? Who's the best butthole?
2: Well, I got to tell you, the buttholes were less deep. Like, these are... Shallow buttholes. Shallow, tiny little buttholes. You're not really going to get any kind of, like, depth of character out of any of these. I guess mine would have to be Caroline Bingley. Because she did that, her performance was so funny because she never moved her face and everything she said was right here and her eyes never changed and her lips never changed and that, to me, was very funny. Also, (laughs) she knows how to wear clothes. Not everyone does. She had great costumes, too. They gave her the sassy costumes. And she was wearing the
0: costumes. The costumes were not wearing her. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. It's
0: it's important. That's
1: really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll give the butthole to Collins um he still had some really shitty lines that he mm-hmm. p- delivered perfectly like like mm-hmm. the uh you know it would have been better if she had just died line it's just like that's pretty shitty you're a mm-hmm. fucking asshole uh so yeah that's I'll <laughs> give it to him
0: <laughs> i was going to say- I was gonna, do, I was gonna do Kitty because of the. Also, this Wickham is, he has the the worst mustache I've ever seen in my entire. Oh yeah, life. that <laughs> weird little. like. It looks like somebody drew it on, with mm-hmm. la, with like a marker that got wet, so it isn't drying on right. hmm Um, and it's all watered down anyway. Also a butthole. But I was gonna do Lydia for the drunkenness maybe. But then I remembered, <laughs> Mister Bennett saying, "You're right. Maybe we should have drowned some of them at birth." Yep. <laughs> And then everyone laughs. Oh, how funny. Funny, funny should... dad. Um, so I think I'm going to go with Mr. Bennett just for maybe we should have drowned some of them at birth. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and then who's your MVP? <laughs>
2: Dude, I gotta say Lady Catherine. Yeah, I think so, Even though that Deus Ex Ex Machina inning was such bullshit, and it was, please do not mistake what I am saying. It was stupid. She was, anytime she was on screen, I was having a better time. Anytime she was on screen, she was doing something funny, either physically or with her line readings. I just really appreciated how far she went. I didn't like what the screenwriters and the directors decided to do with the character, but I liked her performance.
1: I'd echo that. I agree. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I think I agree yeah. too. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I was thinking maybe Greer Garson, um, she did a, a good job, she's but good. she's just
2: also maybe a little bit weirdly miscast as Lizzie yeah. Bennett. It's mm.
0: just, it's just, I agree.
2: Um, um, so yeah. So Edna, Edna Mae Oliver all around Edna Mae Oliver. And she, she passed away two years after this movie was made. Oh, wow. Neil and I found that out. So she died in 1942. Well, she was great. Mm-hmm. um,
0: And that brings us to the end of this one. Uh, There you go, buds. We are, in most circumstances, going to be doing two episodes per movie, Moving forwards, so where we're watching a movie, we will um, find some sort of halfway point. Uh, just in our conversation, we'll still be recording them at once. It'll be part one and part two, not like an episode about characters and an episode about plot. Like it'll just be be like the old days when we'd be like, "Oh my god, it's been two hours. We have to stop talking. Bye!" And then we pick up like, right
1: yeah, and- We'll come back to this. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. come back.
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, so that's what we'll be doing for most things. However, not for the next thing. Uh, the next adaptation that we are going to be watching, we had actually two options for a Jane Austen specific Pride and Prejudice related Christmas movie. Um, One is called, well, I'm going to tell you the one that I decided to leave for next year. Next year, we're going to watch Lacey Chabert in Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe
1: into it oh my god i have such a crush on her gosh
2: (laughs) i can't believe it
0: and i want you to know that is the one that i passed on uh the one (laughs) that's next year that's what we're Mm -hmm. doing next year the one we're doing for this year is christmas at pemberley manor as Christmas approaches, Elizabeth Bennett, a New York event planner, is set oh. to a quaint small town to organize their holiday festival.
2: Oh my God. Uh, and I'll just oh stop no. there. Um,
0: I'm. Oh no. This is from 2018. Uh, oh. I'm very excited about it. I will say, uh, if you don't want to watch this one, this is one that that i don't even think you're able to rent i think you have to buy it
1: um, oh lord which they're is fine like, we we're just like if you need to see this fucking thank buy you, it you Patreon. Buying- <laughs> pay
0: for it <laughs> um, and it's not like it's expensive but you know it's a, it's a lot to go for a joke so so i want you to think of this like you know there are people out there i'm i know i hope most of you are aware that there are people out there who listen to this podcast but do not watch outlander uh they're some of my favorite listeners. <laughs> they don't know what the fuck is going on. They're just having a good time. And I want to encourage you to maybe be that listener for the next one. <laughs> we will attempt to be a little bit more detailed in our plot recap. So basically, we can tell you the story of Christmas at Pemberley Manor with our commentary if you don't want to watch it. Does that seem reasonable, Janine Yeah, Yes. I think it's
2: great. And of course, mo- everybody who's listening to this is familiar with the base source material, so we have shorthand anyway. It'll be fine. Please don't watch this. Just let us watch if you this. want to
0: watch it, you go ahead. Some of yeah, you may but- already have it. We have a lot of people who love Jane Austen who listen. So it's very possible that you already have it. But if oh, you're man. on the fence about spending this money, don't spend the money. We will just recap it for you in exquisite detail. Um, uh, we also have a Caroline Bingley and a Jane Lucas and a William Darcy. Also a character named Travis.
2: Yes!
1: Oh
0: Travis.
1: Man. Good God. Is there a Chad?
0: No, there's not.
2: I bet Travis is <laughs> Choir Chad. Choir
0: member. Um, that it's after that, we get into that territory. Uh, so that's going to be next. However, after that, and I'm very excited about this, we decided that our little Christmas gift to you, friends who got through 2020, um, is that the next Pride and Prejudice adaptation that we do is going to be Bridget Jones's Diary. Um uh-huh which is also sort of a Christmas movie. So I'm really excited about this one. Um, I love this movie and I love this book. We are also going to be doing a Patreon-only episode uh, where all three of us read the book. You said you were going to too as well, right, Janine?
1: I can read it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, where we're going to read the book, which I've already read it, but I'm going to reread it. <laughs> oh no, poor me. Um, and talk about that. So, we're going to do two episodes on Bridget Jones's diary and then this little bonus episode. Um, and that's what's going to take us through the end of the year, pretty much. So, mm-hmm. um, I've never seen
1: Bridget Jones' diary, so this will be a first for me. You've never oh, seen yeah. it? Oh, it's, it's fun! fun. It's yeah. very fun.
0: Yeah, it's really fun. And I'll be especially since you're relatively new to Pride and Prejudice, Janine. I will be very curious of your opinion of this very loose adaptation. Um, sure. I'm gonna be curious how it com- right. how it plays to you and whether sure. or not it mm-hmm. feels reminiscent of other contemporary rom coms. Anyway, I'm stoked. Um, is there anything else besides my end stuff that we have to talk about? No, I right. Mm -hmm. cool um i think by i think that you're going to be getting this the week of thanksgiving no the week after that i'm not i'm not sure i hope you had a good thanksgiving or will have a good thanksgiving um and
1: if it's a different year that you've accepted that we bow to each other now and yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah if it's if it's two twenty twenty four hundred yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Also and help. we did used to shake hands. <laughs> I mean, I did say 24, 2040. No, I know, I'm, but I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm going 20, further. We're in a time capsule. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I'm going, I'm going towards like mammoth squids overtaking the Pacific <laughs> Northwest. <laughs> All right.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm good. i will take that journey with you. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of you have taken this journey with us. We want to thank everybody who listens to the podcast. Um, If you enjoy it, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or Amazon or iHeartRadio or wherever it is you're listening to us, YouTube. Um, If you want to leave us a review, that would be really great. That's going to do it for us this week and for our conversation about the 1940 film adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. We will be back next week when we talk about the 2018 Hallmark Christmas classic, Christmas at Pemberley Manor. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at PodlanderCast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PodlanderCast, and on TikTok, which we aren't really using yet, but what the hell, at PodlanderCast. Cast and on Instagram at Allison Chu, and on Letterboxd, sort of. We're trying, folks. And you can do a little pre movie huddle with us over on Crowdcast, which is a Patreon perk. You can find us on Patreon, where you can support the show and get early access to episodes, bonus episodes, access to our Slack channel, and more at patreoncom Podlander Drunkcast. Thanks to all our patrons. We couldn't do the show without you, but we especially want to thank the following folks. Julia Guglia, Kathleen Martini, Kelsey Kemp, Madison Johnson, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Tiggison, Tina Barnett, The Other Janine, Kristen, Alicia Glenn, Liz Penniston, Stella Welch, Zena Perez, Chrissy Shively, Denise Perkins, Kayla Reagan, Rachel Luzon, Rochelle Fever, Amanda Smizazza, Heather Robbins, Sweet Sassy Molassi, Brittany Hulbert, Emily Carlson, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Kelly Mazella. Maria, Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Philip Naco, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, Mary Lumpkin, Jenna Polkowski, Anne Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Katie Kirshner, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCurry, Jen Linder-Drunklin, Kelly Bodden, Amanda Newton, and Kiki the Wise. We will be back next week with our conversation about Christmas at Pebbly Manor. Thank you as always for listening. Bye!